Welcome back to Happy Brain Podcast. This is Brittany. And this is Dr. Olson. So for this week, we have found ourselves discussing the topic of faking it till you make it. This is definitely something that I've been told um, and that I've applied into my own life. And Dr. Olson, I was just wondering what this statement means to you and maybe what's its relationship to psychology? The uh, term I, I embrace as a way to um, to recognize that there's going to be some difficulty in moving forward. Um, faking it implies that we have to go against how we feel and what we think, uh, which feels very unnatural and even um, illegal in a way. So it's very uncomfortable. Uh, in a way to patch over that our emotions are just not working for us. So we feel, you know, we try to fake feeling happy when we absolutely are not. And that, I think, is a lot of hard work. Um, this is something that I, you know, I've used a lot with folks, both professionally and personally, and myself included. Uh, more recently, though, it's uh, been, I've heard good um, pivots from it, that it's not faking it till you make it, it's hard work until you make it. Because faking it implies that you're building a facade that's not real to yourself. So it's almost like it doesn't do honor to the depression that you're going through, because you need to totally get rid of it, because it's so foreign. So the hard work, I think, is just acknowledging where we are, uh, acknowledging what we can do and making strides to do that, understanding there's going to be hard work and it's going to feel unnatural. Because depression, of course, makes us feel like we don't want to do anything. The feeling is we don't want to do anything. Um, and so faking it is like just saying, I don't feel like doing it, well, I'm going to do it. And is that faking it or is that just going against, you know, um, thought process that's not working? You know, it's I think it's just a matter of judgment. I mean, it definitely sounds like that just it's reflecting on the challenges of change. Um, for me, when I think of like faking it till you make it. And I never really thought about it in terms of, you know, not paying tribute to the process at all or building that kind of facade, which it definitely has a negative connotation to it. But more so, it's like when you smile. You know, and if you go throughout your day and you're smiling at people, oh, it starts to really sink in that eh, this feels good, you know, and it's a little bit more to me, like not so let's say I'm a, if I'm in a stinky mood and then I'm showing that kind of mood to other people. I'm kind of being snobby to the guy who's pumping my gas or I'm irritable towards my partner or my friends or, you know, I just have. But basically, it's just where you have no patience or tolerance, and then how can you maybe change your own tune or the own, your own tempo, right? Right, and I think it sounds like cognitive behavioral therapy. I mean, it's just challenging the feeling or the thought that we have. Does it make sense for what we need to do now? I mean, that's easier said than done when we can separate the motion from the, uh, you know, the process of our day and such. Um, Depression can work for us. Sometimes anxiety does work for us. So what role does perhaps cognitive behavioral therapy play into this concept of faking it until you make it? Well, with going, without going into the weeds of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is very helpful, I think it's a matter of 
really examining the thoughts and the feelings that we do have surrounding a particular subject um, because we can get in our own way as we can easily do and the fake it till you make it we have to make a uh, judgment saying that our natural feelings and our natural thoughts are working against us so the fake it till you make it really has to say that uh, how we feel is not legitimate you know and or unnatural or not helping me. Um, so it's almost like we have to kind of hate the feeling that we have in order to do something else. Or we have to get, uh, you know, disgusted enough with ourselves. Or we have to just wallow in our own, you know, pity for X amount of time before we realize that we can make a change. I think it's easier to do or to recommend other people do this, but it's really hard for ourselves to do that because, again, we're just living our lives and thinking we're fine most of the times. Yeah, I imagine that it's just such a natural occurrence that you can't really, you're not really reflecting on it as you're going through the motions. One thing I wonder about or what I think about, um, you know, because we talk about liking what I said about faking a smile or I hate to call it faking it now that you've kind of drawn that, my attention to that, but... Um, I don't even know what else to call it now, but basically just smiling when maybe it doesn't feel totally natural in that yeah. moment. Um, but it does become more comfortable and it does kind of make life a little bit lighter. You know, I don't feel think that I'm a particularly joyful personality. I'm not like going around cracking jokes. I'm not funny. Um, but when I do laugh, I just want to laugh more, you know, or when I am smiling, I want to smile more. And I find the same relationship with, you know, negative emotions. It kind of it takes you down that same path, you know. So what relationship does our physical responses to things have with our actual emotion? You know, like, let's say if you're in a great mood and you, you know, let's run a hypothetical experiment right now. If you decided that you're going to carry yourself in a unhappy way for the rest of the day is that going to actually make you feel unhappy no that's a good point that's a good point we you know um our emotions are what they are and we behave in response to them right um so the scenario you're painting is to go totally different than what you feel so if you feel happy try to act sad um and it is interesting that you say that. I think emotions can kindle emotions. So like when we're accessing happiness, it seems like it's easier and easier to kind of get there um, as if there's like a gunpowder of sorts, you know, it just ignites it and then it, it gets more and more and more. Um, and yeah, we wallow in our own self-pity and such like that. And I think it makes me think of the need for balance, you know. Uh, one is no better than the other. We prefer one over the other, but uh, there's no way we can avoid either of them in some respects. Um, and then life throws us, you know, the circumstances that we have to kind of deal with. Um, you know, faking it, you know, it's it makes me think of also like just exercise and muscles. You know, we don't necessarily feel like we want to do a lot of squats, but we know that squats will make our legs and our rear end look great <laughs> yeah. you know and it's a great aerobic exercise and such like that and we don't really want to do it yet after we do it we feel much better for it you know and the the uh, complicated aspect of emotions how it leads to behavior 
I think we can do some behaviors that just lend itself for us to be happier. And you said it, smiling is easy. Smiling is so easy. And we can do it half-baked in a way, but it still conveys some semblance of happiness, you know? Uh, but I think ideally we have to do it for ourselves, you know? Um, and it's like positive meditation, I think. I think, um, you know, yeah, you sparked a couple of different thought process while you're while you're talking to me there. And you talked about doing sports as a, a reflection of like how we emotionally train ourselves. And I, I think that's a great example. And I talked to, I've talked to clients about that specifically, you know, when talking about different types of treatment and therapy, you know, it's not easy at first, just like working out isn't, but it becomes easier with time and you'll start to see the results, feel the results, you know, feel stronger, feel more grounded. Well, it, and the analogy I think is absolutely right on. The, the problem is, is that to find kind of incremental um, progress, because it's kind of easy to know that I can run faster or I can run farther or I'm not as out of breath going upstairs or whatever like that. Whereas uh, incremental progress in our mind is just our mind being what more calm, uh, less um, unreliable, more reactive, you know, less reactive or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think brain training is really what we can do. We absolutely can do that. But again, we need to grapple with the fact that the brain we're trying to train away from is a bad brain. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad brain. It's our brain. We just want our brain better. So I think all the things that we've been talking about, like, you know, just maintaining personal health, maintaining connections, um, not taking ourselves so seriously, you know, continuing to evolve, um, mitigating any sort of fear that we have. Because, again, we, you know, it's just a matter of perspective how we are here. And it doesn't uh, do us any good to just assume everybody's going to get us. Well, no, let's talk about healthy. What are healthy expectations? Okay. So we're kind of talking about how, how we can embody this kind of happier lifestyle. And I think, you know, when we've touched on this briefly, because it's a big part of everyday life, but I think that expectations on ourselves, experiences, and other people really do stand in the way of us kind of accessing this core thing that we're searching for, which is happiness. With expectations, how can we kind of guard ourselves from making those not a healthy thing? Because I think that there's got to be a point where they need, they have to exist. Now, where do we apply them? I think is, uh, you know, it's up to us as individuals. Um, I think there are some healthy expectations that we can have where by, you know, it's akin to the golden rule, you know, do unto others as we want done to us sort of thing. Um, I have this expectation that I'm not going to be assaulted, you know what I mean, or, or um, belittled. I, I have that expectation. So if or when it happens, it's kind of shocking, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if I approach every day expecting to be assaulted or something like that, then my life would be much, much, much different. But in contrast, like if I'm in my bedroom and I have the expectation of stubbing my toe on my bedpost like I have 30 times, Maybe there's a protective factor there. 
you know? Mm -hmm. So there, I think that it's definitely a natural process to both guard us from painful or unpleasant experiences, but also kind of to create that initial joy that we experience from something before it's happened, you know? And we've talked about this, about like planning a trip and how the planning process is where a lot of joy is um, obtained, even if you don't ever take that trip. Um, I have a lot of fantasy trips that I've taken inside my head, like (laughs) over the pandemic, you know, I've been to Thailand and all these other places. Um, but I think that there are some things, you know, for instance, I have a friend right now who I have actually three different friends who right now are planning their weddings. Oh, and it's beautiful, fun experience, but I think because it is something that typically you like to say you only do once or maybe twice, but for some people, maybe more, I don't know, but the, I, for them, it's all their first time. And there's a lot of expectations on this, you know, the symbolism in this kind of ritual is so big that I, there's a lot of rigid thoughts around what is expected. And for a couple of them, I'm their maid of honor. And I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, but I have, I keep dropping the, you know, it's still kind of a pandemic, you know, mm. trying to ground some of their expectations because I want them to enjoy the process and I don't want them to spend a lot of time getting fixated on things. And then if that doesn't happen, you know, that feeling of, um, disappointment, that huge disappointment, you know? So, and I, I told one of them, I was like, a wise man once said that you can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. Um, and that wise man was outcast. But <laughs> so, you know, I'm trying I'm trying to talk with them about enjoying the process without being too rigid. And I think that that has a lot to do with expectations where how can you keep your expectations or experience your expectations without having those become too concrete? Well, I think that's an internal conversation because we have internal or individual expectations and sometimes they're unreasonable. I think we internalize a lot of society's expectations, which are absolutely unreasonable and really don't make a lot of sense to us. We're just kind of like uh, going along for the ride and doing what we were told to do of sorts. Um, I think, you know, that the powerful rituals of like marriage and things like this are, um, you know, they are very traditional and there are protocols. There are, you know, to the point where the ceremonies have been planned for, in some people's, throughout their entire lives for this one ceremony. And in cultures, I mean, we've been honing this kind of marriage thing forever and such like that. So, yeah, they're absolutely power-packed. But again, what sort of meaning do we want to take out of it, you know? it um, Rituals like that help us to feel as part of the community, uh, we get to share our good fortune with other people, um, and we kind of uh, have our community bear witness to our decision about what we're going to do. And then, of course, it's a total gift grab. I mean, you can. There's all sorts of. It's a you know a, um, a reason to go to Las Vegas or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a whatever you want it to, to be. Celebrate. 
Right. I mean, I'm guilty. I love weddings. Invite me to your wedding. I'm definitely going to be asking about the bar situation, you know, what kind of food, you know. I mean, I went to a wedding. Uh, wow, it's probably been two years now because of the pandemic. But, oh, actually, I went to one actually not that long ago, but it was very small and personal. But a couple years ago, we went to a big one, and I've never been to anything like that before. It was beautiful and jam-packed with love and, like, a bunch of 10-gallon hat guys dancing and I just love to see all the blend of culture and families and so it's just a lot of emotion it was beautiful um and there is that sense of community that I don't think that you normally get my takeaway from that experience because I know how much it probably cost is that this wasn't for them necessarily but this was for all their loved ones that were there this was for all of their loved ones to celebrate them because mm-hmm. why else would you pay for all them to be there to feed them you know that's the only reason i can imagine is that you want to bring this all together to share it right? right and that's the thing is is you know when i'm talking to my friends about this i'm like look right now currently while you're planning these events you're memory making and all this energy that you're building up is going to go into that event so you want to make it good energy you want to make the core ingredients love and happiness and because life is going to throw if anything that we've learned over this pandemic is life is going to throw you some curveballs you don't know what you're going to expect it's not going to always work out as you want it to and maybe try and lean into that and just accept that well i like what you're what you conveyed as far as like the help that you have for your friends to just help them um enjoy the process because the process is quite you know complicated or as easy as you make it and such like that. Um, I, th- I always worry as a mental health provider about us fixating too much on things in the future. Mm-hmm. So then it takes away from our ability to be present now. So yeah, I think, you know, reminding ourselves that this is part of the process. It's not there yet because otherwise I think we just project ourselves too far in the future. And then when it doesn't happen to the degree of our imagination, which it rarely does because we can't predict the future with hundred percent reliability, then I, that breeds, you know, kind of disappointment and, or at the very least, there's this giant buildup, then there's the day and then there's this huge letdown afterwards. You just have to be careful that we're not living in the future more than we're living in the present. Because um, again, the, the buildup to these holidays or these big rituals in our lives and such like that are very, very important. And um, they're not as exciting by any stretch of the imagination. But again, I think if we could just be present, it will mitigate a lot of these expectations that things need to be one particular way only. Um, we can take things as they come, recognizing we're pushing the ball you know, closer to where we want it to go. But um, again, I like your advice, be present, be present. Mm-hmm.